Hello and welcome to the Politic Podcast, the only series about the Ward 1 Alder election that is no longer knocking on our doors or sweeping the campus because it is over. This is the last episode of the Politic Podcast about the election. My name is Anthony Carews. I'm Maddie Colbert. I'm Simone Seaver. And we have a special last episode today entitled 17. So, now the election's over. Oh, man. R.I.P. And the first <laughs> Crazy, thing- <laughs> crazy election. Like, it was crazy. absolutely absurd. It was absolutely crazy. And that being said, I need to tell the entire Eze campaign, I am so sorry. Because on the last podcast, I predicted that Sarah Idelson would win by a 70 to 30 margin. And boy, was I wrong. So wrong. Literally the wrongest. Couldn't be wronger. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure other people were with me. No, no I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, me I and Maddie were... Maddie said it was going to be 19 votes. Mm-hmm. I said it was going to be 15 votes. We were all pretty close. So, yeah. It's just you, Anthony. Okay. It makes me... While I was there, because I was there when they announced, I, I guessed pretty closely at that time when I realized I was horribly wrong at first. But... I didn't think they had the infrastructure. I didn't think they had the support. But 17, this really could have gone as a way. And just for those of you who know, Sarah Idelson won the election. Yes, yeah, Sarah won, the won dear listeners. <laughs> I mean, I guess I think that the question now is like, how? Like, why did this happen? Why were we so wrong? Um, and like, could we have forecasted this? I don't know. I did not expect this at all. Um, like how close it would have been. Yeah. Like, how do you think he did it? Like, how did he pull this off? Well, first of all, hmm. the fact that Fish got absolutely crushed by Sarah Idelson in the primary made us and I think a lot of other people think that she was unstoppable, that she had this huge machine backing her, that no one could possibly challenge her. And I think we saw that the tactic of not actually canvassing everyone's door like Uganda didn't canvas everyone's door. They weren't super annoying about it actually garnered him more supporters. And I think the supporters he had were much more willing to come out to vote. I know he had a lot of supporters on different sports teams. And right after they got out of practice, they went to the voting booth. I know Amalia told me she grabbed a few of them and said, don't eat dinner, come vote. And (laughs) wow. And I, I was just blown away because if just a couple more sweets had come and voted, Ugana could have been the alder. Yeah, I think um, a tactic his campaign used, maybe not intentionally, but this definitely happened, is people, instead of going door to door, just went to their friends and uh, just explained why they were interested in Ugana. I had a lot of people um, just come up to me and explain him to me in a very like casual setting. Like It wasn't a pitch. It was just people around dinner being like, I think this guy's really great. I'm going to vote for him. Tell your friends about him. And I think that approach uh, is way more favorable for people. And though maybe that wasn't an intentional decision by the campaign, I think that just happened for him because I think so many people on campus liked him. Yeah, you know what? I think at the end of the day, like I can't say this with certainty and there's no way to know, but I think a good portion of the votes cast for Ugana were votes not necessarily for him, but against Sarah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just from my very unmethodological surveying of my friends, like it, it, it just seemed like people really don't, really didn't want Sarah, and they would vote for anything but Sarah. And if that meant going to the polls and voting for Ugana, a candidate who perhaps they didn't know a lot about or didn't really understand his policies, they were still going to cast that vote because it wasn't for Sarah. Well, Maddie, first of all, I want to say. 
that that was intentional. By it SA's was campaign. well done. That the, campaign their campaign strategy was to reach out to people they know supported Uganda and to get that person to get all their friends to also go to the voting booth. I thought that entirely worked. And it really doesn't make sense why the Idelson campaign didn't do that. They kind of went for this blanket strategy, just having random people knock on every door rather than targeting <laughs> yeah. the, the doors they knocked on with with familiar faces. And I can tell you, election day, I have never seen canvassers more rampant, more out of control. I don't... Than, than Idelson campaigners? No, or? no. Than, than Idelson campaigners. Well, it's interesting, though, because I... My sense is that the turnout from this year was actually lower than it has been in previous years. Like you oh, would think, really? yeah, you would think all this canvassing and you know all this rallying on the on the day of would produce some sort of you know spike in the number of votes cast, but it doesn't actually seem like that was the case. That's people were just sick of it. People yeah, were people were super sick of it. I yeah. think um, people also forgot the election was still going after the Democratic primary. I think people forgot there was an yeah, actual election. Because the camp, uh, just canvassing was different. Um, I don't know. Uh, I just I can't believe that Ugana could have won if like three more sweets came out, like you said, Anthony. Like that is wild to me. Yeah, or I, even even less as yeah. nine people flip their votes. Like that doesn't seem like that much. Wait, so I thought the margin was seventeen. It was nine. No, I'm saying if nine people voted the uh, other way, yeah, 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 you would have a winner uh, for mm-hmm. right. It would have been a recount, right? Well, there was the already a recount. So there would have been a recount, but <laughs> mm-hmm. standing. Oh, up, my gosh, know. it's crazy. Yeah. So the first thing is, in terms of the numbers of voting, I was there for a large time for, for a long time during voting. And I really think there needs to be some kind of recount, not because not for the reasons maybe that the Eze campaign is advocating for, but because there was definitely voter fraud going on during this election. And when election comes down to 17 votes, this absolutely needs to be looked into. So what do you mean by voter fraud? So what I mean is we know only Ward 1 residents can vote in this election. And that means not people in TD, not people in Silliman, not Morse, um, not swing, n- not swing, but many of these people lived on old campus when they were freshmen, and that's when most people register. I feel like yeah, most people register to vote when they're freshmen, when they're in Ward One, when they're on old campus. But after they move off, no one at the voter registration place was actually checking to see if they still lived in Ward One. Any person from Styles could just go up and say, "Oh." I still live in Durfee and the person wouldn't look into it. They would get to vote. And this isn't just hearsay. Uh, there's people I know who don't live in Ward 1. I'm not going to name any names. But, <laughs> Out them. <laughs> but, but there's people I know who aren't Ward 1 residents who voted in this election on both sides. So I'm not sure what a recount would do, who, uh, who would end up winning. But... Just the fact that that's going on, that's definitely a problem that needs to be solved. So let's talk about the mechanics of what it means to do a recount. So you could look at one thing, which is whether of the X number of votes that were cast, you know, wherever they fall as a Ugana vote or a Sarah vote, maybe a vote that was actually for Ugana was counted as a vote for Sarah. So that's like one type of recount. But what you're proposing is a type of recount where you look at the residency of all the people who voted and confirm that they are, in fact, 
Ward 1 residents. To me, that seems like it's doable. I think that's doable. I think it will require a lot of effort that people may not be willing to put. But I think it's absolutely necessary because I also saw that happen, Anthony. Like they, like they just literally don't check. And if you know, for me, I just don't even know if it's a question of effort, like whether people are not going to want to do the work to do the recount. It seems like this is by law something that's required uh, of people who commission these elections, right? No, I definitely think so. And the fact is. There weren't that many people who voted in this election, first of all. So I think it's completely doable. The margin, when you look at the percentages, it was around 51% Sarah, 49% Ugana. It was very close. And the fact that not that many people voted makes that margin look a lot closer. It's not like a presidential election where that's a margin of millions of people. Um, There's only 17 people. That was only a difference. And we could have a drastically different kind of local administration if that was flipped and it turns out if you take away those invalid ballots if ugana was supposed to win that would be one republican um and 29 democrats and he would get all the privileges that a minority republican would have and we might see a different new haven do you think a recount will happen i think i think what it takes from my understanding is that someone needs to file a complaint with the local Elections Commission. None of us have done that. Has his campaign, though? I feel like I heard that. Uh, I, I don't know whether they're aware of this. Do you oh, know I just meant I'm probably thinking of the first um, recount because there was initially a recount. Right. That's probably what I'm thinking of. Right. Um, hmm. The What do you mean there was a first recount? Because initially wasn't the margin 50, oh, five, well, 50 votes. Yeah. And, and they didn't factor in at that time people who voted from like out of state or something. I think it was like absentee, same day. It was absentee or, yeah. or something. Ballot, oh, so that's not even a recount. They just like added okay. people. Yeah. Basically, it's like in a if you think like in a general election, they actually don't really count absentee ballots until unless it becomes really close. I think the analog to this election was that they weren't counting the same day registration votes unless it became very close. And then once they realized it was really close, that the number of ballots, which I think was 55, that were same-day registration votes would flip the margin. Like at the point of when they had counted those, it was between 55 votes, less than 55 votes. So then they counted those 55. I think a lot of people did same-day registration. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so that's good they counted them. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, I don't... I mean, it's funny because we're, <laughs> we're in the position of being semi-journalists who aren't necessarily supposed to be filing these reports. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not but our job. listeners, if someone wants to file a complaint. Um, yeah, I mean, I have arms. no idea how many people like said they still lived in like yeah. Farnham or Durfee yeah. or Bingham when they actually live off. Yeah. But 17. it's entirely possible. <laughs> 17 people. Maybe 17. I mean, we don't know. What That's wild. You get a tie. What do you do? Speaker of the House has to rule. That'd be wild. I have I have no clue, but I I have no clue. But I just have to say, I mean, there are so many supporters on both sides who are just so so passionate about this election, and I hope some of them are passionate enough to realize that invalid votes should not be counted in a legitimate democracy. And those satisfied with the result probably aren't going to call for that. And I mean, that's a terrible thing. You you show that you're so involved in the city, but when it comes down to making sure elections proper functionally, I mean, this everyone should be calling for this. The winners and the losers, if they care about the way democracy should function, uh, both in this election and elections in the future. But what I can say is the Democrats are not happy right now. 
they won, really? but they're not happy. Wait, because it was so close? Because it was so close. I mean, no one thought, no one including us, thought that it was going to be <laughs> Us <this> geniuses <laughs> over here at the Politic Podcast couldn't even tell. That's a good point. <laughs> and I mean, when you have a board of alders that is 100% Democrat, when you have a city that's controlled largely by unions and they let the Yale seat almost slip away from them um, by kind of an, this like, I mean, there wasn't an organizational structure for the Uganda campaign before like April of last year. And this, this group can come in and almost dethrone someone that they thought they had a lockdown is very concerning um, for city officials on the Democratic side. Yeah, I agree. I think the Democrats are probably pretty bummed right now. Um, but I think one lesson from this is that what can we say about the Yale community? What can we say about the people who live in Ward 1? I think one thing we can say is that there is a lot of latent conservatism uh, on this campus that doesn't necessarily present itself day to day. But, you know, given an election and given the correct mobilization, you can persuade cross-pressured students to vote. I'm not sure if it's a hidden conservative current on campus or that Uganda just happened to be able to reach out to more liberal-minded students in a appealing way because I don't think his policies were particularly conservative, but I could be misunderstanding him um, because I think a lot of people I know who voted for him who are diehard Democrats uh, said to me that they didn't see anything inherently Republican in his policies or that he they the issues they have with the Republican Party are on a national scale. And so, I don't know, I maybe it's less because the campus is conservative and more because Uganda is so bipartisan on his policies that he can reach across the aisle. I don't know. What do you think, Anthony? I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with Uganda. I mean, he, he was almost the perfect Republican candidate. If you, if he ran as an independent, he would have for sure won seeing this margin. But I mean, there's I can't imagine another Republican who would be able to kind of get support from both Democrats, get people from all social groups, um, from all racial groups. So it's going to be tough if they run another candidate in a couple of years. And unfortunately, in a couple of years, Simone and I won't be here. But Maddie, <laughs> oh, you will be Maddie, here. you will still be here. <laughs> Carrying You'll the torch. You'll still be directly impacted by the work. Oh, the yeah. Wow. That's, wow. I can't wait for those canvassers <laughs> in two years. Maybe Simone and I can <laughs> yeah. come on as yeah, guests. Yeah, please as guest Skype speakers. in. Maybe we're canvassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't sure. know. I don't know if I'm into the canvassing. Because I, I actually didn't share this story, but it's pretty funny. The morning of the election, not really the morning, at around 11 a.m., I opened my door to leave my suite. And I, I opened the door fully, and it looks like no one's there. And then I closed the door, and there's a canvasser behind me. Because they were like hidden in that, in that space when you close the door between the door and the wall. And they it's just like a nightmare. Me behind my back. I turn around, and they just say, are you Anthony? Say, yes. And I realize... I told them that I should probably call the police because they did not look like a Yale student <laughs> as whatsoever. We've learned, yeah, as we've learned, call the police. supposed to call the police. Mm-hmm. And it was just crazy. I mean, the, there was this new tactic where they put canvassers who wouldn't be knocking on doors, but they just kind of placed them on, in different entryways so they could pull aside anyone who was leaving the dorms because they realized people weren't answering. Whoa, really? So I mean, now, that's so strategic. 
they really thought through that one. That, I mean, that's I smart, but I'm like that. pretty scared. But like, yeah. it's smart. No, it's <laughs> yeah. super clever. Wow, wow. And wait, so this was Sarah's team, or yeah, this yeah. was Sarah's team. I mean, they did have the well. We already talked about this, but their canvassing tactic was very different and very aggressive. For I sure. Would say. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, seventeen votes. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, seventeen votes. That's crazy. So. Is there anything else you guys have, or should we move on to the rumor mill? I think we're ready for the rumor mill. Yeah. Oh, for our, our last, last rumor Aww. mill. Sad. sad. <laughs> the rumor mill will always be churning, however. So <laughs> on see, campus. Mostly by us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if you see any of us on campus. Just come up just, for a rumor. Just come up for a rumor. We'll, we'll offer them free of charge. Um, but, okay, so... It's time for the rumor mill. Do you have any rumors? <laughs> I have a rumor. Um, this one's pretty Throw simple. I heard that Anne Hathaway was going to be playing Sarah Idelson in a biopic <laughs> of the Ward One of race. this election. And, yeah, of Sarah Idelson. I think uh, it would work. Their haircut. It, yep. it's similar. It caught national attention. Steven Spielberg um, was scoping out the campus. <laughs> wow. Well, to get a seventeen sense of the scene. votes. I mean, yeah. I would watch that film. Yeah, seventeen, twenty-one. You know, it's going to fall in that. At, what is it? Adele, twenty-two. No, Taylor Swift, twenty-two. Oh my Adele, God. like nineteen. I think it's twenty-five now. Twenty-five. That's her new one. <laughs> Oh, it is. It so is. Look forward Her to first 17. is 19, then it's 21, then it's 25. Yeah. It yeah. all makes me feel very untalented. Yeah. So, so coming to fine. theaters October 2019. <laughs> <This> I, <film. laughs> I have to say, I can't tell you guys how many times I heard that during election day. That, oh, Sarah Idelson. She looks just like Anne Hathaway. I heard that from <laughs> so many people. Well, crazy. so did Anne Hathaway, I guess. So did Steven yeah. Spielberg. Yeah, everyone's heard so it. So I guess Anne Hathaway from... What movie did she cut her hair for? Was it Les Mis? Les Mis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think yeah. it's just like continued though. That's just like her hair now. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Rocking the pixie cut. Yeah. No, it looks yeah. great. It's good. It's a good look. Well. So, and anything else? Not really. This That's has been it. fun. Thanks for listening, our dear listeners. If you are someone who listened to every podcast, every episode, we expect uh, you to email us. Just we love you a lot. <laughs> Thank you the very much, listener. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If if you listen to everything. <laughs> Just send us a face. Let us know. Like <laughs> that's you, the you biggest compliment you, I've you ever received. So much. <laughs> you stayed in for the long haul. It's amazing. Yeah. Through some technical difficulties that we made through, you know, <laughs> yeah. this podcast has been a, a journey for us all. Yeah. yeah, I've definitely changed. I think I've matured. Yeah. <laughs> Emotionally, a coming of age story. The it's, politic podcast. Another movie. <laughs> so I guess with that. Thank you so much for listening to the last episode of the Politic Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to all our past episodes. We really appreciate it. And with that, I'm Anthony Carews. I'm Maddie Colbert. I'm Simone Seaver. And this was the Politic Podcast. And a special shout out to Phoebe Petrovic for producing the podcast, Michael May for the music, and WYBC, I guess the moon this time. We're in the moon Moon. now. (laughs) For the studio. Friend request us. We may see you again.